Hello and welcome to Your Magic. I'm Michelle T, and today I'm talking to writer Melissa Lozada Oliva, a former National Poetry Slam champ and author of the book Paluda and the brand new book Dreaming of You, a novel in verse which is blowing up right now. We'll discuss prayer and ritual and ghosts and more. Then we hear from intuitive teacher and Vedic astrologer Rhiannon Morsh, who shares a love spell with a really good track record. If you love listening to Your Magic, now you can join us for more witchy content by supporting our work on Patreon. As a thank you, you'll get a weekly newsletter for $1 a month, a monthly New Moon Terra Astrology podcast for $5, and a spot in our patrons-only book club for $15, which you want to be around for, since our first book is Dreaming of You by our guest, Melissa Lozada Oliva. For $30 a month, you get my witch workshops, where we'll dive into tarot, witchcraft, and more. The making of this podcast is a labor of love, and we need your help to keep making it. Join our community at patreon.com backslash thisisyourmagic. And if you want a little sneak peek, here's a preview of this month's new moon reading for Scorpios. Scorpio, happy moon cycle. I have tarot astrology for you that uh, illustrates and helps you through your own moon cycle. Um, We all get one new moon a year. Um, I guess sometimes we get too, don't we? Uh, When something weird happens. But this is your moon cycle, Scorpio, and it begins with the new moon on the 5th. And what's really great is that the card I picked for you from the Alchemical Tarot for that day is the Six of Vessels, which, you know, I work a lot with the Crowley deck. It's the Six of Cups in the Crowley deck, and it's represented astrologically by Sun and Scorpio. So this is a really powerful day for Scorpios, which we already knew, but I mean, the Tarot is really doubling down with that. Um, I see this a day that this is a day for you on the 5th to really nurture your personal relationships, okay? Let personal relationships take center stage. Um, Purge those relationships that are toxic, okay? For those of you who are dealing with toxic relationships, the new moon in Scorpio is like your best friend to deal with something like that. And then also the relationships that love and support you, like show a lot of support for that show a lot of gratitude for that you know both to the universe to yourself for you know knowing how to bring those those people into your life and of course to the people that are supporting you okay um but it gets deeper and you're not surprised about that are you because you're a scorpio and you guys always get deeper you know this um this cycle of nurturing personal relationships sign up to our five dollars and up tiers to hear the full reading for every sign I think the first prayer I ever learned was that now I lay me down to sleep one, bringer of nightmares, the one that introduces kids to the notion that, yeah, you totally might not make it through the night. As unlikely as it is for a five-year-old to have a heart attack or a brain aneurysm or whatever other assorted misfortunes can befall a slumbering child, I guess I wanted the Lord to take my soul, but honestly, it seemed like nobody else was interested in it, so okay. Hot on the heels of that creepy number was the Lord's Prayer, whose point seemed to be to let God know we were down here slavering over him and also, like, help us be good so that he keeps liking us. The whole thing seemed a little ass-kissy. The rebellious Catholic schoolgirl in me, never far from the surface, honestly, really rears up when I'm in a 12-step meeting, feeling all gooey and kumbaya, loving my neighbors, holding hands and getting ready to pray, and then someone busts that old number out. Even worse, the person kicking off the prayer usually does so with a little call-and-response flair, asking the crowd, Whose father? 
our father, the group Dutifully Drones. The thing I find truly groovy about the 12-step path is the real freedom everyone has to find and stick with their own spiritual practice, that God of your own understanding, which gets totally ruined when someone trots out the Our Father with its patriarchal Christian origin. I don't pray to men, I like to say snidely, in such situations, even though I sometimes do like to make offerings to masked deities like Pan and Dionysus and Mercury and Satan. But all snideness aside, it was 12-step culture that brought prayer back to me, prayer and witchcraft, because as we discussed in this episode, spells and prayers are really the same thing. They're intentions, and nobody, no matter how insistent they may be, really knows who, if anyone, is receiving all these little wishes coming from planet Earth. Is it a bearded white man in the sky? A raven-haired crone in the underworld? Our computer programmer overlords? Our higher selves? Absolutely no one? Maybe we're just syncing up with that beneficent life force so many cultures have recognized. Nobody knows. But what I do know, as many prayer sayers and spellcasters of various traditions also know, is that by any other name, these intentions work. It was through prayer that I got through the cravings and bewilderment of my early sobriety, prayer that eased my intense anxiety then, prayer that even today helps me work with my money and scarcity issues. Being pushed to locate that God of my understanding brought me back to the whimsical pantheon I dabbled with when I was younger, a mishmash of European deities mixed with dead punks like Divine and Jean Genet and living icons of weirdness like Pee Wee Herman and Elvira. I declared my higher power to be Stevie Nicks, and it is, but I am a promiscuous acolyte. I have a lot of devotion in my heart, a lot of prayer in me, so many things to be thankful for, and I want even more. And so I pray, in my shower, at my altar, in bed at night, sometimes a litany of want and sometimes a simple thank you. Maybe it's a spell, maybe it's witchcraft, maybe it's no different than the nuns at my Catholic school, just a tiny human making a request of the big unknown. Now let's get to Melissa. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Melissa Lozada Oliva, thank you so much for being on your magic. Thank you so much for having me on your magic. I'm so excited about your book, Dreaming of You. I'm excited to talk to you about being a fan, Mm. which might not seem like it has any place on a mystical podcast, but I'm a wild fan. And I've always felt like there's a spiritual dimension to it. I think so too. I mean, I think there's like a, a worshiping aspect to it. You know, I keep saying about this one time that someone told me if you don't introduce your children to God, they find it in a band or a person. And I feel like, you know, when you're a fan, you're kind of just like giving in to having gods and mythical figures to worship. And I think we all need to have like an altar. I don't know. I think that that's really true. Were you introduced to God at a young age and then became a fan anyway? I was. Yeah, I was raised like very Catholic and I was like really into Jesus. (laughs) And I was just like, I was like, I, I like loved praying every night. And then, you know. I got my parents got divorced (laughs) and then I got introduced to rock and roll and uh, then yeah then I became a fan an obsessive one for sure yeah 
I relate to that trajectory very much. This thing happened when my parents got divorced where like the nuns at my Catholic school took my mother, sat down with her in her car and was like, you know, this means you can never be with another man ever again. Oh my God. Wow. Traumatizing. I know, right? And so as a result, I mean, my my mother was sort of like a little further away from the church uh, because of that. And then I too found rock and roll. Yeah. Hell yeah. Selena is obviously so crucial and primary for you as you illustrate so, so mystically and gorgeously in your book. And I'm wondering, like, what other figures, you know, cultural figures also captured your imagination like that and made you triggered that feeling of devotion? I feel like I when I was like I had these like formative uh, teenage years of rock and roll. So like I was very obsessed obsessed. <laughs> this is like I don't know why this is embarrassing. I was like very obsessed with Billy Joe Armstrong. Don't be a don't be embarrassed. I was <laughs> I was like he's not old enough to not for me to not marry him one day. And I just like really thought that would happen and I was just like so in love with him. And yeah, I think I've I've had so many like school girl school girl crushes on on like these rock stars. And then like as I became older, like in my my mid twenties, early twenties, I I've always been really in love with like Jenny Lewis and Mitski, and just like their songwriting speaks to me so deeply. And I feel like I'm I'm like you know a few degrees away from them, but I don't know if I ever want to cross the line. One time I. I asked this like really like convoluted question to this author I really loved. And she was like, I don't, I don't think I can answer that question. And I was like, oh no, I'm a loser. <laughs> but then I've been like lucky enough to meet people who I've been fans of, or I've just like been listening to their music for a while. And then we become friends and it's cool. That's cool. I've got to know um what your sign is. What's your, do you know your astrological makeup? Oh, I do. Yeah. I'm a Virgo sun and a Virgo rising and a Capricorn moon. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Obviously, I'm just meeting you for the first time and you can only gauge so much from from reading a person's work, but you you have such a powerful imagination and it seems like you are so able. In your work, you really present yourself as a character who mm. is really in love with love and really open to the sort of transformative, almost like spiritual effects of like love and crushes. Yeah. Do you know what house your things are in? So I feel like my, my big three is kind of like almost serial killer vibes, like uh, serial killer CEO. But I think the reason I'm a poet is because of my <laughs> Venus and Libra and uh, my Gemini and Mars, my Mars Gemini. Yes, was, that's what I was looking for. I was like, where's where's this like love? Yeah, this like total little love creature, love and crush creature that Venus and Libra, that's it. But your Virgo and Capricorn is why you're such a boss poet. I mean, it's hard. <laughs> Poetry's a hard world to like, you it know, is sort of like excel in. And you know, you have it's so cool. Thank and you. So, that's so kind. Man, astrology is real. Astrology is real. How does your how's your whole life not dictated by like when and where you were born? And like, like what the was happening with the planets. I don't know. I think it's I think it's true. Uh, so you mentioned earlier that you um, think everyone should have an altar. And I'm wondering what's on your altar right now. That must mean that you have one. Yeah. So I actually only recently 
got an altar. My my abuela has had like a altar for La Virgen de Guadalupe. She just like always had one and it's very like elaborate and there's all of these like roses and photos of La Virgen and you know every day she like lights a candle and puts it in this cup of water and then like to turn off the candle she just like claps and the candle goes away and the the light goes away. And then I never like thought to make one myself but I I've just like missed my grandmother so much. She was she's been like stuck in Guatemala and recently came back a week ago because of like COVID and stuff and I was like I want to I feel like I I want to do this so I'm going to so my altar is just like for La Virgen and there's just like candles and flowers and like photos of my family oh that's beautiful I wonder if there's been like an explosion of altar making in COVID because we all had so many needs that weren't being met like really crucial needs around connection and family and love and you know feeling like we're interacting with our own destinies like all all things that having a sacred little space in our house can kind of help with yeah totally and i think people really there's like nothing left to do but like pray or like you know or just like expel these like wishes of something getting better yeah i love the line between like prayers and spells and like a love poem is like a spell or a prayer for someone to love you back. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like how you were talking about when you growing up Catholic that you loved to pray and it just made me wonder like, <laughs> yeah, do you are, do you still pray and like how has your how have your prayers evolved both like how you pray or what you're praying for or who you're praying to? Whoa, yeah. I mean, I think yeah, so as a kid I used to like pray every night in Spanish and I really thought that like God was like in the ceiling. <laughs> Um, and then when my parents got divorced and I was listening to a bunch of emo music, I started to like re like deconstruct this like patriarchal sense of like what God is. And then I kind of became full blown, like none of this, sh like nihilist, like none of this matters. And then like in the last three years or so, I've become, I've like let myself become more spiritual and I have like let myself pray in a different way. Okay, for example, I don't remember writing these poems. <laughs> and I, I keep trying to like remember moments. And I was like, I don't remember sitting down to write this. And I can't explain like, I can kind of explain what was going through my head when I did. But other than that, it feels like kind of magical. And I can put as much work into it and skill as I want and like, give that the credit. But also like, there's something that is like mystical about putting stuff down. And I think those are like little prayers. I want them to be. <laughs> so your writing process, it sounds like is very subconscious and mystical. It is. I mean, I think it is like, there's like a ritual to it. Every writer has like a ritual and like, you know, that whole like you're supposed to write every day. Now I'm, I've like literally never made this comparison before, but now I'm like, damn, it is a lot like praying and like rituals. <laughs> um, but yeah, you just like sit down and then you just like let it come to you, but you have to do the act of, of sitting down, you know, and like the, the discipline of it. That's the Virgo Capricorn coming in. <laughs> but that's really true. It's really true. You can't just wait only for inspiration. But I am wondering about like, do you get a sense of like, does a poem come to you? What does that feel like for you internally? I have this feeling that I like to call like fertile sadness, which someone is like, is that just like melancholy? But it's just when like, there's like an exact light in the day and an exact sounds from your friends and like dialogue that you're hearing and like, in exact someone drops something onto the floor that is very striking and you have to like open up your phone and, and write something down and then maybe 
you know, edit it later. I also feel like some things, like some moments get like stuck into my head, like songs, and then I have to listen to that. And that I think is what becomes a poem. There's a part in your book when you talk about, or the narrator talks about that your mother and sister have seen ghosts just made me want to ask you about ghosts. Like, were you raised among like people who saw ghosts? Yeah, all of my my family is very haunted. And my my mom sees ghosts all the time. Our house used to be haunted. My sister, my older sister would always hear things. And my younger sister had very vivid, freaky dreams and would sleepwalk and like open the window. And then maybe she was having like uh, night terrors or sleep paralysis or something. But yeah, they've all like experienced something and like they go places and they're like, I don't like how this place feels. Or like I had a dream and then the dream happened. I can't relate to that at all. But I, I, I just I've never seen a ghost. But I am always afraid all the time. And I don't trust my fear because it is usually just like my OCD and anxiety keeping me from living my life. But I do think like that part, that like fear and anxiety and OCD that is in my body is like something intergenerational that comes from like, you know, historical memory and that kind of thing. So like, while I've never seen a ghost, I there are like ghosts inside of me. I'm wondering if like your if your family, how they made sense of what they were seeing, like, do they have a sort of like belief system or philosophy that sort of explains like what ghosts are, why they're appearing, you know, like, I'm just Mm. curious, like, do they know like what the hell's going on? Yeah, I mean, I think they're never they're just never logical about it. They're never they're not like scientists about it. They're just like, I heard something and it was definitely abuelito, like he's here and Like I was, I almost fell asleep at the wheel last night, but then I saw his face and I did. And, you know, or like a bird visited me today and it was him. I was very scared of like encountering a ghost. And my mom like didn't like me sleeping with the door closed for some reason. She's crazy, crazy Guatemalan lady. And I'm like, there's ghosts. And she was like, a ghost will just walk through the door. (laughs) But also she'd be like, you shouldn't be afraid of ghosts because like ghosts can't hurt you. People do. Gosh, how great to be raised by somebody who has like wisdom to share about like the spirit realm. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And she's right. I mean, people hurt you. People hurt you. Not ghosts, right? Yeah. Unless I don't know, I'm watching The Haunting of Hill House right now. and Those people are getting like (gasps) fucked up by ghosts. Oh my God. Yeah. And that one is like ghosts hurt you. (laughs) Do you have Halloween plans? I mean, I think this might air after Halloween. But since we're talking about ghosts, it makes me wonder like ha- how you celebrate the spooky season if you do. Oh my God, yeah. I love I love Halloween. My book releases tomorrow at the Brooklyn Museum and the theme is Dead Celebrity Prom. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. So everyone's supposed to dress up as their favorite dead celeb. And then I think I'm, I might be just a bunch of like scream queens from the 90s through the weekend, like Drew Barrymore and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh my gosh, that's so fantastic. Who Can I ask what dead celebrity you're being for your party? I mean, are you being Selena? I think, okay, here's the here's the caveat. I don't think I'm going to, I think I'm just going to look hot tomorrow. <laughs> but I want, because like in the book, Melissa is surrounded by dead celebrities, but she's still herself. And that's what I'm going to tell people. But I, I do want to look like very old Hollywood. I'm wearing this like velvet red dress, doing like a thing with my hair. You're going full like uh, Venus and Libra. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
Well, you know, I have got a deck of tarot cards here, and um, I'm wondering if you'd like me to pick some cards for you. I would love that. I would love that. Cool. Do you have a particular question? Is there anything that you want some uh, intel about from the from the spirit realm? Okay, I'm going to invoke my Venus and Libra and be like, when is love coming into my life? <laughs> you want to know what's up in the love realm? Okay. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. This is classic. People, people like to know this, you know, even those who do not have a very love-centric Venus in Libra. Everyone wants to know. So I'm going to, um, I'm shuffling the deck. I'm using the Toth deck. And I'm just going to say like, what's going on in your, in your um, romantic sphere right now? What's cool. the energy that's going on? Um, so we can just get some information. Hey. Okay. Oh, wow. There's something coming for you for, for real. Oh, wow. Like this, you just got a trio of crazy cards. And when I say crazy, I mean like, you know, oftentimes, usually tarot readings require some effort of interpretation and then sometimes it's just like a slot machine where you're like bing 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 and whoa, you just whoa, like whoa. so your first card here is that you got is the fool which is about a powerful new beginning so in the love realm this is at the very least you getting massively crushed out on somebody like this is like a yes card and it's like taking chances taking a risk and i mean like who are the biggest fools in the world like lovers right people who fall in love like it makes you goofy you you make it it triggers all those brain chemicals that make you do stupid things so it's like yeah if you are feeling you know and 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 even i never want to tell anybody to ignore red flags so i'm not talking about like serious red flags but if but if it's someone where you're like that would be crazy though like yes then that's like because the fool is about taking a big risk and taking a chance so if it's like if there's something about it where it's like but this person is i don't know so different from me or lives far away from me or is billy joe armstrong or like whatever <laughs> you know like you want to be able <laughs> you, you want to be able to just be like okay yeah oh my god cool and then your second card is the art card which is a marriage and partnership card okay oh my so god. on the heels of the fool card it's kind of like uncannily saying that like this is a mutual thing wow yeah i mean you're kind of primed for something to totally occur in your love sphere right now um you know the fact that it is the art card it's also i mean this is this is a card that has a lot of complicated meanings you know it is talking about art and you are an artist and you are mm -hmm. having a big party in an art museum and i'd say yes you do want to be glamorous old hollywood like because this could be like the scene of the crime <laughs> right it could be happening somewhere around art it could be with another artist it could be a collaborative sort of situation mm. if there's collaborations in the midst for you it could be something that becomes romantic it could be somebody that you end up doing a, you know maybe the the coming together is more of a date but then you realize like oh we actually could make things together too it could have that higher wow like, yeah because this is a very you know out of the two comes a third sort of a deal it's a riff on the temperance card so it's really that's really nice because the fool starts out crazy it's like you know when i read somewhere or heard somewhere that there's like the part of the brain that gets sort of lit up by infatuation is also the same part of the brain that gets lit up by like cocaine so you know right. the, the fool's wild times but then it kind of evens out with the art card you're like oh, okay this isn't gonna be i don't need to be manic about this this is happening and then your your final card is pleasure six of cups what? it's a big love card wow yes Melissa, this is crazy. Um, <laughs> it's sun in Scorpio, which the sun is in Scorpio, right? So I feel like, I feel like, yes, be ready to fall in love right now. This is your season. Oh my God. This is your season. Wow. Oh my God. That's so, that's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs>
that was so much fun. <laughs> I know. I love, I mean, I'm so glad. I mean, often when people, when we pull cards about like, what's up with my love sphere, it's like, okay, well, you got some blockages and you need to let go of your path. You know, there's, it's often a lot of psychological work that needs to right. happen, but like, no, man, you're ready. You're ready to go. <laughs> and I think love is coming for you. So. Wow. Oh my God. I'm going to get hit by the arrow. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. You are going to get hit by the arrow. Very, very cool. Enjoy it. It looks, it looks like good times for sure. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. This was, thanks for the cards. I'm, I'm rejuvenated. Hi, I'm Rihanna Morsh. I'm a Vedic astrologer and reader of playing cards. My spell is a spell for calling in a partner. For this spell, you will need a candle, two pieces of paper, a pen, and a new moon in the sky. So on the new moon, light your candle and set your intention to call in the perfect partner for you. Take some time to reflect on what you want in this partner and future relationship. After you feel really solid, then write two lists on two separate pieces of paper. The first list is everything you do not want in your next partner. And the second list is everything you do want in a partner. Don't be afraid to get really specific and detailed. When you feel complete, burn the list of everything you do not want in your next partner with your candle flame. Tuck the second list away somewhere very special. And then the key is that after this, you do not want to get serious with anyone you date unless they match your list. So you will need to be patient with this spell. This is actually my favorite spell because it sounds very simple, but it worked for me. Five months after doing it, I started dating my wife and we have been together now for eight and a half years. She was 99.9% .9 of the things on my list. Thank you, Rianne and Morsh, for that fantastic and time-tested spell. I want to share that Rianne told me that little sliver percentage where her partner does not match up with what she asked for is that her partner actually watches television, and Rianne had asked the universe for a partner that didn't watch TV, which is hilarious um, and relatable, but the universe was also like, sorry, friend, in this day and age, you know, all your partners are going to watch TV. So, you know, don't hold too tightly to your own standards. You know, let there be that like 0.1% of wiggle room. I do feel like the energy of Rihanna's success is forever part of this spell now, and it's got that extra oomph. So please let us know how it works for you. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we pray that you'll join us here again for more witchy conversation and DIY mysticism. Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at This Is Your Magic. You can subscribe to us right here on Spotify. Do what you need to do to never miss an episode. Also, email us at hello at thisisyourmagic.com. We would love to hear from you. You can support us plus get access to a whole bunch of bonus content at patreon.com backslash thisisyourmagic. Later this month, we'll even be joined by Melissa Lozada Oliva at our patrons only book club. Don't miss it. This episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, and Vera Blossom. We got production support from Raven Yamamoto. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Tune in next week for a conversation with Liara Rue. Thanks for listening. <laughs>